This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Today is the conclusion of our conversation with Kyle Shevlin talking about career. This week, we're talking about managing your career. We talk about burnout, company fit, and what to expect when you're interviewing as an experienced networked dev. I think that this is an important episode for anyone in any phase of their web development career and a really good insight into what the hiring market looks like right now. Just like last episode, Kyle dropped some amazing knowledge bombs, which I am sure you'll appreciate. If you missed the last episode where we talk about changing careers and breaking into web development, well, that's on reactpodcast.com and it's episode number 38. Today's episode is number 39. This episode of React Podcast is brought to you by Linode. Instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. Get a server running in seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Now offering dedicated CPU instances designed for consistent, high-performance computing needs like video encoding, game servers, and busy application servers. Now, as a designer, user interface is critical for me. I've used a lot of broader cloud services, and I found their interfaces to be less than exceptional. That's not the case with Linode. Their site is beautifully designed, and I feel like I am in complete control every time I'm in my dashboard. I know what's going on. I know what to expect. I know about how long things should take. It's a real delight. Now, maybe you're the type that doesn't like a web-based graphical user interface, and you just want to send commands. Well, Linode has you covered there, too. They have an API and a CLI, which allow you to automate or do anything that you need from the command line. Give Linode a try today and get a $20 credit. Visit linode.com slash react and use the promo code react2019. So you have recently uh, made another transition. You kind of transitioned from being a pastor into web development. uh, And now you're an established web developer you've, you've mm-hmm. given talks you've got the egghead uh, classes you do a, you got a stream <laughs> and uh you found yourself in between development jobs oh yeah uh, a period of fun employment as <laughs> i like to call it at this point in your career what does it look like to be searching for that next um that next career move yeah absolutely it's a really interesting. Uh, it was a, it was an interesting period of my life that, that just recently ended just a few days ago, and I think there's been a lot of interesting responses from people as I've kind of done it publicly and shared myself with with uh, the Twitterverse, if you can call it that. <laughs> so I think there's a few things to unpack there. The first one is I had a few rough years, um, just not really kind of finding the right thing at the right time in my life, like uh, you know. That job I mentioned earlier where I was the only front-end dev, I was really seeking a job at that point in my life that would give me a mentorship, and, and I, mm. I didn't get that. And so I've been making these compensations and not quite finding what I needed, and that led to some really bad burnout And because I was pushing myself outside of work to find the joy uh, I wanted to have in my life or in my coding part of my life. And then I was pushing myself at work in situations that maybe weren't great for me. And that's been really challenging in itself because I think we still put too much stigma on 
like the employee and we don't keep a balance of like, this is a relationship. Sometimes things aren't right on both sides, you know, or like we've all had crappy managers or had a job we didn't like, like, but yet we still put the burden on the employee to adapt and fit perfectly to the company. And, Mm. you know, um, it might be strange to people. It might not, but like something that I, I, like a personality trait of mine, if, if people are familiar with like Malcolm Gladwell's work or the big five inventory, there's one spectrum called agreeableness and disagreeableness. And I'm, I'm pretty high on the disagreeableness in the sense, like I'm not afraid to, to be different than the rest of the group. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to, um, say something unpopular or do the tough thing. Um, but that also leads to challenges like anywhere you go. Like, you know, uh, I think most of us are oriented to really um, adapt ourselves to the group. And, you know, we could get into a whole talk about evolution and biology going that route. But, you know, I needed to find something that was going to let me be me and um, also fit, like allow me to fit too. Like I, I want a win, you know, I want a few years of, of win is kind of what I've been describing in my head. To that end, there was a, a set of criteria I kind of had. Uh, I love working remotely. It makes my life much, much happier, both in uh, like my actual productivity, but also in my ability to enjoy my life. Uh, I get to see my wife more. My cats are happier, as, as silly <laughs> as that sounds. Like they're not lonely all day. Like, you know, um, so I needed, I wanted remote. I wanted a job that paid me um, a good salary, uh, and I, I kind of discussed that on Twitter, and I got some flack for it. People were like, you're asking for a lot of money, and I was like, no, no, no. I'm telling you the average amount of money I've made for my last few jobs. Sounds like you need to ask for a raise, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I wanted good money, and I wanted a place that was going to be cool with me continuing my work with, say, Egghead or Second Career Devs or these other things, so somewhere that wasn't going to try and like um, take over the other things in my life that bring me joy and, mm-hmm. and value both intrinsically and monetarily. And, you know, I, it took me a while to find that. Uh, I think a lot of people got nervous watching how long it took me, but they didn't really understand that I took like two, two and a half months to do nothing to heal. And I feel better. Like I feel, I feel, I feel like I'm in a good place. And then with that, like by the time I started looking, we're entering quarter four, which can be a really challenging time of year to get hired because companies have a lot of like end of the year things they need to get done and, and hiring might not be a priority to them. They can batten down the hatches and get through the end of the year. Q1 is a lot easier to get job interest and get, and get um, interviews and that kind of thing. And I think, I think other people fail to understand, like, when you have a checklist as stringent as mine and a network like mine, like, I'm not going to settle. Uh, you know, I have recruiters every day that are offering me office jobs, and I just kindly say, no, I don't want to work in an office. Yeah. You know, I could have had a job if I wanted to make 30 grand less than I would like to make. You know, like, when you get seasoned in your career, you end up realizing, like, you are an expensive person to this company. Mm -hmm. You know, we make jokes like what's another 10 grand, but you know, you're still an investment, right? Like, and both sides want to get an investment that's worthy and and worthwhile to them. And so, you know, when you're expensive and you have a strict list of things you're trying to accomplish in a job, you got to take your time. And lucky for me, I was in a position I could take my time. 
was it stressful? Sure. But I knew I wanted to find a really good thing and uh, be able to take the next step in my life very positively. And so I was willing to take the time to do that. And I was willing to kind of share that with everybody and, you know, share the ups and the downs and, and hope someone else learns a thing or two from it. That's awesome. Well, it's been very inspiring to watch you very openly and candidly go through the process. Um, how are you feeling about this next stage um, now that you've found something? Uh, the big word is like at this moment is relief. <laughs> I made a tweet yesterday that's like long-term exposure to the stresses of interviewing is not good <laughs> for one's health. Um, so for right now, it's uh, relief. Uh, there is some joy and there's there's also some 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 nerves. Uh, anytime you make a change, you do something new, you know, you don't know what you're fully getting into or what it's going to be. And there's going to be new challenges to adapt to and, you know, mentally preparing myself for those things. Now, that being said, and I'm going to give a shout out to Webflow right now. They had an interview process that was entirely different than any other company I had interviewed with during this time. I, I, I will do a write up to some degree of the process eventually for people, but Webflow didn't do like you do the typical phone screening and the take home and then mm -hmm. the on site for six to eight grueling hours and that <laughs> kind of thing. No, what they did was after an, an initial, after an initial like phone talk with, with a couple of them, they hired you as a contractor for, for a week and they paid you a hundred bucks an hour. Like, nice. and so at the end of the day, the worst thing that was going to happen was I would make four grand. And when you don't <laughs> have a job, like I'll take it. It was, uh, and what it allowed me to do is it allowed me to actually work on a project, uh, at Webflow, see the code base, know what I was getting myself into, mm. get to know some of the people there that I would be working with. And, I think that was a better experience for both of us because it allowed us to see how we actually work together and yeah and whether that's going to be a fit with enough information on both sides you know like the 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 normal interview process it's it's very challenging to get all the info you really need to to make a mm -hmm. good decision so it's really interesting how revealing the process itself can be about the company that you are interviewing with mhm mm for sure. Uh, you know, I did plenty of places that were that were more traditional, right? Like they have the the fraud phone screening, you know, where they're just <laughs> trying to see, do you actually know any code? Then the technical screening where they're trying to trip you up. Maybe they're not explicitly trying to trip you up, but, you know, they're trying to find false negatives, you know, and and, and get rid of them. And then, you know, the grueling like on site where... <laughs> where no human being would sit in a room and, and let someone grill them on question yeah. after question for six to eight hours if they had the choice. But <laughs> nor does that happen after you get hired. No, it doesn't at all. And especially as an engineer, I'm not going to have eight meetings in a row. And if I do, I better be a manager at that point. <laughs> um, but it is what it is. You can't change a system until you're in the system. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people ask me that all the time. What would we change? And to be honest, after going through this and a lot of different processes, I've come to the conclusion that I actually don't think hiring and interviewing is a solvable problem. I think it's intractable. Interesting. And the reason I, I think that is that um, you'll never have a solution that fits every company out there. There's different sizes. There's different needs. Um, there's just different people on both sides of the table. Mm -hmm. Now, there are definitely things we can improve and we can make better and we should. But I think the attempt to like solve it or disrupt it is 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 a is a fool's errand. I don't think it'll actually 
come to a conclusion. I don't think you'll get get there. So get in a system, make the changes you think you can, but you know, realize that there's just challenges that aren't easy to overcome sometimes. So if there's really unovercomable or intractable problems in hiring, what are some questions that companies or hiring managers or teams looking to fill out their team, what are some questions that they should maybe ask themselves the next time they go to find somebody? Hmm. I think the closer you can make the process, like the questions and uh, maybe the interview, like the actual like technical interview parts are, the closer you can make that to the day-to-day work, the closer you'll get to having an actual proxy of what people do. Now, if your day-to-day work is solving like challenging data structures and algorithms, then yeah, maybe a whiteboard actually will get you that. But if your day-to-day work is like, as me, primarily a front-end engineer, like have me build some UIs for you. Have yeah. have me explain a complicated state problem for you and, and how to deal with that. Um, having me like having me write uh, a debounce or a throttle or a, a new bind function or something like that. Like that just tells you, I know some of the nuances of the language and how to manipulate it, which is, which is good, but it doesn't tell you like, can I build the UIs you're going to ask me to build you? Yeah. Can I ship what the customers need? Yeah, for sure. And, and maybe that's, that's what it is maybe too, is like, you know, at my stage in my career, I think I am trying to learn and focus more on like, what, uh, what value can I bring to a product and like, or what, what value can I bring to our users to, and that kind of thing. Um, as opposed to, I'm not Mm -hmm. as fixated anymore on like, what patterns do I learn? Even what, what libraries do I use? I mean, I found the tools I really love and I will, (laughs) I will learn the next one that, that comes along, but, but I feel comfortable enough to be like, now I get to think about the meta the meta issues, the, the higher, the higher level issues, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that's a lot of fun. Um, and I can see where that'll impact my career in the next five to 10 years as well. In your, your, your job search, how important was it to you, the, um, personal brand building that you had done over the previous year and a half, two years, um, whether that be on, you know, you know, Twitch or Twitter or your speaking engagements, how, much of a role did that play in the job search? I think it played a huge role, both in like what companies I was uh, like interested in 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 talking with, uh, because I had had some issues with some previous companies that uh, the processes and the bureaucracy that they had really felt quite stifling to me in terms of like what kind of output I could do, like, especially for things like Egghead. And, you know, in 2019, I already have plans to release some courses on my own and, and that kind of thing. I I needed to go somewhere that was going to be okay with that. Like, I'm definitely like, I'm going to do it on my own time on my own property. Like there's not an IP issue, but you know, some companies really want to like crank down on, on certain things that they're, um, yeah their employees do. So that was very important in terms of like, I just made it very clear every time I talked that first initial conversation with people, I'm like, I already do this. I enjoy it. I'm not stopping. Are you okay with that? It gave me some leverage to be able to dismiss certain companies or really find the ones that were excited. Mm -hmm. Um, A few companies even approached me about essentially doing like internal work like that, like making uh, content, instructional content for their company's teams from inside. It, um, 
And I thought that was a really interesting position. And I hope someone else out there fills it and takes it up. And I think it'd be mm -hmm. cool to kind of see those around the world. Um, the other part about like brand building was that I did my entire search through networking. Someone asked me today on Twitter, they were like, how many applications did you put in? And the honest answer is I put in one and that was only because it was the only way they would start the process was like, I had a conversation. They were like, just fill this out and put it, put it in our system. And otherwise, I used my network very deeply in a couple of ways. I, I made a few tweets that, you know, were, were somewhat popular. I, I don't know, you, you can call them viral because they weren't. There were only like a thousand people, but, but like a lot of like, a lot of traction. And that gave yeah. me a lot of people reaching out. Some good, some not so good. Lots of people who are like, especially people who are just like, I have this app idea. Can you build it for me for like eight bucks? <laughs> you know, something crazy like that. I would say really kind answers to these people and, uh, you know, just, just kind of move on. But there were some good opportunities too. In fact, getting the job at Webflow kind of comes down to, it all started two years ago at React Rally. Actually, the first time we met. Yeah, we met. Uh, I met Vlad that year and Vlad just struck me as a very kind person and to watch him continue to be that uh, in person and on Twitter, he might be the kindest CEO I've, I've ever seen. And that gives me mm -hmm. a lot of confidence to work for that company. And, you know, yeah, so personal brand building went both ways. It, it, it helped me figure out what jobs would be good fits for me, but it also gave me even opportunities to even find jobs in the first place. Lots of people could only wish to have as many options as I did. I'm very thankful and grateful for that. It's awesome. My next question is regard to something that you had mentioned. You said something about kind of the stress of uh, pushing outside of your company. Mm. Could you expand on that a little bit? I, I'm not sure if I heard it right, but you're talking about kind of the stress of not really being satisfied in your work and pushing outside of the company. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that led to burnout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Essentially, I wasn't finding my day job very satisfying. There were some challenges. Um, and I don't mean like code-wise. I mean like uh, I was brought into one company with uh, literally the manager was like, we need you to kind of uh, rock the boat a little bit, help us uh, conceive of maybe making some technological changes. Uh, that, And now that I have full picture of what the situation was, that manager was frustrated because for a year and a half, they couldn't really enact change. And he was looking yeah. for anything to help him uh, catalyze that and, and make it happen. But it taught me a very valuable lesson. That manager got switched to a new department in the company a few weeks into the job. And uh, I went ahead and tried to be a rabble rouser. And that was really dumb. Hmm. When you don't have the support you need. And and honestly, like it just taught me a lot about how do you even convince a team to try things um, or, or, or consensus driving. That was not something that was really in my repertoire mm -hmm. yet. Um, but I, I, I made some attempts to, to make some change and I failed gloriously. <laughs> and uh, I learned, I learned some really tough lessons, but that time, you know, meant I was expending a lot of energy to get through my day job. And when you're expending all the energy and you don't have any energy, and you're not getting joy or satisfaction from your work, you have to do something else to try and find it too. And so, you know, I made some good or some bad choices depending on perspective and maybe your own personality. I don't know what choices other people would make, but I was like, okay, 
I want satisfaction. Like here are the things maybe I can try doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I can, you know, push into my podcast. I can push into Twitch streaming. I can push into, uh, giving talks and, and all these things. And all of them satisfy me in some ways. But the problem was essentially I then burnt the candle at both ends. Yeah. And I ended up, you know, in a pretty bad place. Uh, I left one company. I joined another one quickly and. To be frank, I was in such a mental place at that point that that was just, if I could go back in time, I I think I would have told them I'm not ready for this because my head wasn't where it needed to be. And, you know, I'll take the blame for that. Uh, But, you know, it taught me lessons and it taught me about, you know, how important um, for me personally, I, I, you know, other people are very capable. I know people who are very capable of doing any job that's put in front of them and completely compartmentalizing it at the end of the day yeah. and being able to just like live their life, go do whatever. But I, I don't have that. I envy those people. I do too. I don't have that kind of brain. Everything's connected for me. Mm-hmm. Every thought, feeling, and action is connected in my brain. And so if I'm having joy and fulfillment at work, I'm actually even more energized mm-hmm. outside of work for those things that 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 bring me joy and, and passion. I mean, essentially, we all have to work to survive, right? Like we have mm-hmm. to pay our bills and save for retirement and all these things that, you know, when I say like, I want to pursue things that bring me joy and passion outside of work, I'm not trying to say like work sucks, but like, I want to have a full life. I don't want to just have like, I had a work life and I had an evening like, like, I want a full life. And so for me, finding something that allows me to maintain the right energy levels throughout my day, uh, throughout work, and then into what I do after work or even before work or, or those kinds of things, finding things that allows me to focus and maintain the right energy level brings me joy and happiness. And that's what leads to great productivity for me, you know, um, it also leads to more connection with people. Mm-hmm. I literally get to connect more often with uh, the people I love, my my wife, um, my friends. And, you know, when you're not in a good place, whether it's because work is tough or life is tough or some of those things, man, it's just so detrimental on all the areas of your life. It's It seems really nuanced, but I totally get it. This idea that when you're dissatisfied in your work, you start to try to get that validation elsewhere mm-hmm. you know so you, you you sign up for the conference talks and you you know do the twitch streaming but it feels a little bit more frantic you know because you you, you got to make it work yeah um because this is the thing that makes me feel alive and enjoy and like this this work is like sucking sucking everything out of out of me w- what does it feel like when you have those things in balance and you do have a productive team um one that actually kind of like is is life giving mm. and then you continue to build out those parts of your life. Um, Because obviously this is something that's very important to you as you've gone through this process of interviewing, saying like, hey, I'm not going to give this stuff up. Like this is part of me. Um, So what what does that look like now that you are more whole? Yeah, that's a really great question. There's really two metaphors that kind of come to mind. The first word that came to my mind when you were asking that question was the word flow. And I don't mean flow in that uh, the flow state you get in when you're like wrapped in a problem and you forget the world and you work on that. I mean, like every piece of my day feels like it flows better and flows Mm. into each other. Um, You know, my morning is more peaceful knowing that 
I have the time to not commute to make my coffee, uh, feed my my cats, and and then start my day. And then you know uh, when I want to go for a walk in the afternoon or go. Uh, People might know I'm an avid golfer, uh, and so I live a few, just a few minutes from a golf course, and like I'll go practice at lunch, and then I come back to work, and you know, um, that's a really wonderful feeling for me too. Yeah. Uh, or like in the evening, like when I transition into, oh, it's time to make dinner for my family. Like all these pieces flow for me better when there's balance. Right. And then the second metaphor was a, a good friend of mine in seminary. His name is Matt Lumpkin. Um, he gave a talk once, uh, we kind of had our own Ted like series at the seminary and he gave this talk and he called it winding the rope. Um, most people will tell you that life is about focusing on like one thing and that one thing and getting really, really good at it and really passionate about it. And just, just drilling that one thing to death, because that is a really great way to be really productive and monetize something like finding a niche and doing it. But we aren't people who do one thing. We are, we are many faceted people. Yeah. And he had this metaphor of, he, he drew this drawing. I'll never forget it. He just started drawing things on his iPad and they looked like, like maybe strands of hair at first, but he's like, you know, here's me being a father. Here's me being a pastor. Here's me being a musician. Here's me doing this. And then he started to twist it. And what you realize is what he was making was a many corded rope. Mm. And that, that metaphor really stuck with me because it's like a good life is a life where we find a way to wind our own rope, mm. to wind the rope of all our passions and our interests. Do you have time to do them every day? No. Do you have time to even do them every week? Maybe not. But if you really think about it, there's probably more than just one thing in your life that brings you joy and peace and happiness. And as I said before, I, I only have one life. I want to find a way to actually live it. And for me, that means like, you know, fulfillment at work. So I have energy to pursue whatever wild idea I have elsewise, like whether it's Twitch streaming, speaking somewhere, uh, making these short little rap uh, verses and beats I've been posting on Twitter once in a while, right? <laughs> like, like I want that. I want that joy. And, um, you know, for some people, it's not a lifestyle that would work for them. Uh, but for me, it's the one I'm pursuing. And, you know, finding that balance allows me to pursue it. I think that's, that's brilliant advice. <laughs> Over the last year, I, I feel like I've been on the same kind of trajectory as you, where I'm just trying to figure out I, I was grinding so hard mm. to get to a place in my career where I felt like I had made it. Mm. And it didn't, I started to realize just this last year that it just didn't matter how many things I hit. It didn't matter like how many conferences I spoke at or, you know, how many people bought my videos or came to my site or whatever. It just wasn't satisfying. Mm. And it wasn't because I hadn't like hit it mega big, right? It was just because those things didn't, they didn't represent all of me. And I kept trying to make one thing be the thing for me. Mm. And man, what you're talking about with exploring more of who you are and letting those, those kind of got that feeling of, I feel satisfied in, in my life right now because I'm doing good at work. I learned how to cook a new meal. Mm -hmm. Like I get to spend some time with my cats 
Like I streamed and had a couple conversations with people, like finding that broader picture of like who you are. And even though it might be kind of chaotic at times, but like finding that balance of the things that make you happy and, you know, finding time for golf and all those kind of things that those are all important for you. And I just, I, I love all of that. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you kind of made that realization yourself too, because I think a lot of us, you know, two words came to mind, like when you were talking about that, like an asymptote, first off, like for those who are math geeks, like you keep trying to make a metric reach a level, but the closer you get, you, you never quite get there, right? That, oh, that, asymptotic, yeah, yeah. that asymptotic relationship between like desire and effort and, and goal reaching. But the other one was like the hedonic treadmill, right? Like, like just being mm-hmm. in this, uh, more, more, more kind of thing. To me, I'm trying to think less about, in terms of like, well, I keep using math meta- metaphors, uh, summation, like there's only so much time and space I have in my life. And uh, I'm at a point in my life where adding things isn't something I can just add. It's it's often also at the subtraction of something else. Yeah. So making sure that I'm making choices and trade-offs that are valuable to me. And, you know, that's something that's a metaphor straight to engineering, right? Like, we calculate the, the, the trade-offs we're going to make and the code and the software we write. Well, I, I think about the trade-offs I'm making in my life. You know, like I could trade off the, the joy of this uh, round of golf for saving the money. You know, like it's not <laughs> cheap, but, yeah. but realizing what kind of, um, what kind of happiness competing again brought me this year. Like I got back into some golf tournaments this year and even my wife is like, it's really nice to see you like working hard towards a goal. That's not at your computer desk, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And so I don't know, like I said, that's the balance I'm shooting for. And I hope people out there who are listening to this podcast or my podcast, you know, if balance is something they seek, I hope maybe in 2019, it's, it's something they can achieve. Uh, you know, I, we're recording this in mid January, you know, it's never too late to start a new resolution to live a more robust and fulfilling life. I like that. That sounds like a good place to end. Um, Kyle, where can people find you and follow along with what you're doing? Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Shevlin. That's S H E V L I N. And, um, I'm also Kyle Shevlin on like GitHub and Twitch and I got some good branding. I think I was the first Kyle Shevlin to, to get on it. So I have heard that it kind of bites you and people think your name's Kevin though. Oh, if only a podcast could show the look on my face. (laughs) Yes. People, people make a, a, a combination of my first and last name all the time. Cause they see like a K an E a V an I and an N somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, I wish I could say it never gets to me, but to some degree, I think people really care about their name. When I was a pastor to bring this full circle, like I did everything I could. And still to this day, I work really hard to remember someone's name on the first try because people, you can see the joy in their eyes the second time you see them and you go, Hey, Michael. And (laughs) they're like, you recognized me and you remember me. And names are really important. They're more important than I think people realize to people. Yeah. And so for me, I, it, it's actually a really great way to teach me humility too, though, to be like, <laughs> yeah, Kevin, it's, it's Kyle, no big deal, <laughs> you know? So 
you know, it's it's two edged two edged sword there. But yeah, 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 they do do that. Kyle Shevlin. Hopefully, hopefully you can get that right. I should just make Kevin Shevlin and have it redirect. <laughs> I'm not gonna say you should, but you could. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. Well, it has been a real pleasure uh, talking with you. I really appreciate your openness and uh, i'm sure this is going to help a lot of people uh, as they navigate maybe the first step or this kind of second step uh in their careers yeah thank you so much michael it was a pleasure to be here and to share these stories thank you for listening to this episode of react podcast if you found it helpful for your career and you got something out of it please consider leaving a review on itunes or other ipod catcher network thingies It really helps us get in front of other designers and developers that might need this message too. And it's just a great way to let us know that you enjoy the content. You can also join in the conversation by visiting spectrum.com slash specfm slash react podcast. It's a mouthful, but it all makes sense when you start typing. Thanks to Mikhail Delport and SpecFM for editing and producing this podcast and to Spec, a podcast network to help developers and designers level up. An additional thanks to our sponsor this week, Linode. Get a $20 credit when you visit linode.com slash react. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash react and use the promo code react2019. As always, you can follow the show on Twitter. It's at React Podcast and I'm at Chantastic. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.